Hello, hello. Welcome to the LFD podcast with your hostess, Lady Fatima Global. Welcome, everybody, to all the listeners out there. We have our guest for today, Azandi. Welcome to the LFD podcast. Hi, hi, um, Lady Fatima. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So if you could tell the listeners who you are, what you do, so they get to know you. Hi, everyone. Hi, hi. My name is Zandi, and I am in the UK. I am an entrepreneur. I run two companies, and I have a, a candle company, and I have a, an apparel printing company. I'm also a mental health blogger and a mental health advocate. Oh, did I mention I'm in the UK? Well, you had it. Now we know you are. <laughs> yes, you did. You just didn't tell us where you are from. Um, I was actually born in Zimbabwe. And um, I've been in the UK for um, 21 years. Wow. So this kind, this place kind of feels like home now. Yeah, even though I still can't get used to the weather after twenty-one years. <laughs> I know, I know, it's the same with me. I can never get used to the weather. I hate the wet, the wet weather, and the cold as well. It's just like a no-no for me. But I prefer the cold to the wet. You know, ladies and our hair. So we don't like being wet. <laughs> you don't want to wet your wigs. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we do uh, borrow hair at times, so you don't want it being spoiled. We well, do it's, a lot for it's it. It's not borrowed hair, isn't it? It's like if you have a car, if you buy a car and you park it outside, that's your car. So yeah. you buy your hair, it's your hair. <laughs> That's my excuse. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Actually, I like that. Yes, I'm going to yeah. run with that one. Yeah. I'm, and I'm going to own it. Yes, girl. <laughs> you go. So we're going to speak a bit about your blog, um, the mental health blog. If you just like give us an idea what inspired you to start writing that. Oh, yeah. Um, I write on a blog and it's um called beyond the shade and i started that blog when i had my own struggles with mental health and i just wanted to highlight that um mental health goes beyond race color creed gender so that's how i came with that but it was due to my personal struggles and my recovery that I felt I could share what I was going through with other people and in the process maybe help other people. That's good to know. Uh, but you know, like, as I know that within uh, the black community, uh, mental health is like unheard of. How did you manage to, um, go through with your struggles like with family and friends did you find it easy to share that with them um no it wasn't um and it wasn't until late 2017 when i kind of hit rock bottom and i i got really ill i didn't know what was going on with me i was tired for days i'd i'd go to the gym and I wouldn't know how I got back home. You know, I'd park my car and then come back and go into the back seat, you know, things like that. And um, I didn't know what was happening. You know, I really felt like I was losing it. And then I'd stay at home for days at a time and not want to go outside, not buy food, not do anything. And then when I did buy food, I'd buy junk, I'd buy biscuits and chocolates and stuff. And I'd just stay in bed just eating and feeling sorry for myself until uh, my partner at the time was like, um, you need to see a doctor. 
something's not right with you. And I'm like, no, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. But eventually went to the doctor and did the tests and, you know, um, it was hard to actually like describe what I felt in a day and all that, you know, but I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. So, and that wasn't an easy thing to share, but at least, you know, my other half kind of understood. So I had that kind of support from him. And I tried to reach out to some friends and let them know, but they were not interested. You know, it's like, oh, there she comes, woe is me. But it's not that, you know. And someone encouraged me to pray and give it to God. And I was like, I do pray, you know. But I was feeling at that point, no matter what I did, I just couldn't, you know, get out of that bubble that I was in, you know. And I remember my mom told me a story about a friend of hers who was in South Africa. My family lived in South Africa. And she, her friend was struggling. Her children had left, I think, for... New Zealand or something and she was depressed you know she just couldn't cope and then eventually her kids said come and stay with us and she went to New Zealand she got a teaching job she was a teacher in South Africa and she got better and she started working and I thought oh well at least I have someone who understands mental health and then so I told her you know mom this has been going on and I'm actually on medication and therapy and stuff. She was quiet. Like she didn't know what to say to me. And then she said, Oh, you have white people illnesses now. You know, I was like, well, it's not a white person's illness, but seeing as you could understand and share that your friend actually struggled with depression and had help. I kind of expected that she would give the same support, but she didn't because that woman wasn't a white woman, wasn't a black woman. I was gonna ask that. That, was that it woman a wasn't a black woman. Person? It was a white woman, you see. So for my mom, it was acceptable for that woman to use the D word, depression. I can't use that word because it's a white person's illness. So sharing has been really hard because nobody wants to listen to you talk about your struggles. Everybody is going through something, they say. I mean, I had someone say, at least you've got money. So even if you're sick, it doesn't matter. It's like, it doesn't matter if I've got money in the bank. If yeah. my mental health is struggling, I am struggling. You know, so at least you've got money. Okay. How does that help me when I'm struggling? I mean, you see even like um, with the young celebrities and stuff, the suicide rate it's because true. of depression. It's not that they'll be short of money or they can't pay their rent or their car or eat. It's their mental health that Absolutely. has a problem that needs to be addressed. Yes, I think people need to understand that it doesn't choose a race or religion. You know, it, it, it's not a chooser of any situation. It's a condition that affects anybody, rich or poor, old or young, you know, black or white, green, purple, any color. It's just a human thing that we go through. So we're having money. Even at times you find that people get more depressed because they, they well, you know, when you get money, you want more. So you're thinking, okay, which, which business next, which project next, you know, it's always the next thing, the next thing. So it's even more problems because you want, you want to have more. And if you don't have it, you're worried about having it. So it can uh, affect anybody. So if you just tell us about your blog, where, can, where, people, where people can find you to, uh, to read on your stories. Yeah, sure. My blog is called um, Beyond the Shade and the website is www.beyondtheshade.com. Oh, thank you for that. So is there anything that you would like to share, like uh, your coping mechanisms, 
how you get through it when you really are suffering, you know, because I know there's up and down and at times you're feeling good and the next thing you're not feeling good. How do you cope? Yeah, it's definitely um, a series of highs and lows where I'm so good, you know, I feel like sometimes I feel like I can take on the world and I'm doing everything and I'm cleaning and I'm blitzing everything and I'm like, yay, you know, I'm back kind of thing. And then I ha also had those episodes where I feel like I am so exhausted, but I haven't been doing much. I can't leave my bed. I can't even be asked to clean, you know? And, but I've, I've kind of, I, now because I'm in recovery, I can identify my days. And when I'm really feeling like I need time out, I have to give myself that time out. You know, I before like my friends would be like, oh, let's go for a drink or let's do this or let's go to the cinema. And if I said yes, I didn't want to be that friend that cancels and says I can't make it because of ABC. So I would tag along, you know, I would go. But now when invitations come, I do ask people like, do you mind if I don't say yes today? but let you know on the day, because I really don't know how my days are. You know, I can say yes to an invitation next week, Saturday. And when I wake up that morning, I really don't feel like coming out. And who wants to go out with a miserable friend? Well, I don't. So I just take a step back, you know, yeah, and I, like you know, yeah, I take a step back and I just chill out and do, do my own thing, basically, no rush. If it means I leave my bed at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, then I don't feel guilty about it. Before, I did. I'm like, oh my God, I've done nothing, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but I live on my own. You know, there's no child, there's no man, there's no mother, there's no one to wake up to run around after. And so if I have that moment, like, okay, I don't have to rush around, then I don't. But before, I used to feel like I had a deadline, like, oh my God, I can't be sleeping past nine on a Sunday. Oh, I've got to do this and I've got to clean up and I've got to do whatever. But at the end of the day, I have to listen to my body. I have to listen to my mind, you know? And then I, I don't, obviously I can't let it guide me because I have to push sometimes to not mm -hmm. let myself fall back or become unhygienic or things like that. But when I know that I can control a situation, then I don't do it. And um, rest is paramount. You know, um, sleep can get quite difficult when you struggle with depression, anxiety, or your bipolar, you know, all these other mental health things or PTSD, you know, because you'll dream of stuff and it'll wake you up and, or you're anxious, you're worrying all night. Sleep is a struggle. So, you know, like um, meditation helps you know, trying not to have caffeine later in the day. With some people, alcohol is a stimulant or basically even watching TV in your bedroom, you know, before you go to sleep can keep you up. Um, I'm guilty of putting something on and say, oh, I'll just watch it while I settle in. And then at 3 a.m., I'm six episodes into something and I want to see more. So it's trying to work <laughs> with things like that to allow your body to also rest. Because even when you, when you struggle with depression, it feels like your body is working overtime, whether you're sleeping or you're awake. It's just constantly running. And that's why you get tired even when you spend the day sitting on the sofa. So there's that fatigue, even though, you know. Yeah. But I think I feel a lot of people do not understand that like they're suffering from depression because you don't really understand like you mentioned that you didn't know what was happening you know with you until you you know somebody else looks out but the thing is like we are talking about the mental health within the black community people do not understand yeah. when i um i came to this country i worked in nursing homes and Obviously, I was younger then and a novice, and you'd get the seniors helping you, you know, and things like that. And then they'd be talking like, "Ha, ah, you less stress. I've got stress. I'm stressed." And I was like, and I was like "What's stress?" 
what animal are they talking about? <laughs> what is stress? What is stress? And this lady said, you're here now. You will know stress. You know, and, and with time, yes, I got stressed. And yes, I used the word, like, I'm so stressed. <laughs> you understood now that, that was through. alien to me because we did not say those things at home you just mm-hmm. go with the flow you know you don't get overwhelmed you know if someone gives you a bucket of potatoes and says peel them you peel them and you feel triumphant i did it yeah but you could have asked for help someone was sitting there you could have asked for help but no you want to be the one that's been seen sweeping everything and doing whatever you know we have this thing at home where um when you clean the house and you say i'm cleaning today everyone has to sit outside you can't even allow them to come in and eat because they're going to make it dirty and you will blitz the whole house whoever doesn't want to help you clean will be outside till 4 p.m because you're going to take out all the chairs and do whatever but who assigned you to take that on? We like that superwoman, superman feeling that mm. I can do it. I can do it. I'm not going to back down because I'm strong. I'm, you know, I can do it. But you don't, you don't win any prizes for being strong. Because the day you crash, again, you're judged for being weak. The day you say, I can't do it. You're like, how? When you've been the one holding us together. And I struggle with things like that because I'm also a firstborn. So I always have to take on the problems that come from the other ones, you know, and listen to everyone's stuff. And no one listens to my problem. Yeah. No one knows. No one knows when I haven't paid my rent or done whatever, but they all come to me, you know? And all I did was say, yes, 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 yes. You know, until I was running on empty, I had nothing left to give. You know, when I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, I had nothing left to give, nothing to anybody. I couldn't listen to anyone. I couldn't give anyone anything, you know, because I was constantly pouring. My cup was empty. I needed to take a step back and say, you know what? I'm going to start filling my cup before I start pouring out of it. Yes, you need to. Yeah, that's what they say, right? Even on the airplane that you need to put the oxygen mask on yourself first Mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. you help other people because you can't give what you don't have. So you need to have the oxygen, you know, in order to give the first. It's there, isn't it? It's written. Put your oxygen mask and then help the next person. Because how do you help the next person when you're dead? Help yourself first. But it's a lesson that, that's come late to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Because so with some people, there's been irreparable damage. You know, some can go ahead and say, look, I need help. But some people are not going to say that they need help. There is a lot of mental health in the Black community. There's a lot of broken young men that, oh, don't, yeah. that don't know how to articulate their mental health. They're struggling to navigate, you know, and um, they have this thing that men don't cry. Men are providers. Men are the strong ones. You're a man. Man Man up. Yeah, man up. So when you have that man up kind of thing, then what do you do? What do you do? That is so true, you know, because in the black community or even not even in the black community, just in life in general, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we just think that men are strong, men don't suffer from, you know, a lot of things, men can, you know, they can cope, but that's not the thing because we're all humans. Mm -hmm. So uh, I feel that even when a man knows that they have problem they can't even share it because they are ashamed or afraid that people will think oh he's weak it's it's looked at as a weakness just as in our community if you have to say you're you're depressed it's like why are you allowing why are you even using that word we don't use that word we don't suffer from that so it's difficult to share 
and the main thing I think for a depressed person, anyone going through mental health, is when you can reach out and ask for help. But also, maybe you can point us to where people can find help if, it, if you don't feel like you can speak to your friends or family. I'm sure there are, you know, there are organizations or numbers people can, you know, can call to mm -hmm. get that support. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you can contact Mind, you know, um, obviously, if you Google Mind, you get all the details. But the best place to go is um, to the NHS website, you know, and you, you can, you get, or you get, or if you call 111, they will direct you. That's the best number to call. They will direct you where to mm -hmm. call. And if you're just feeling low or need someone to talk to or having suicidal thoughts, you can also contact the Samaritans. Sorry, I don't have their number on hand, but the no. Samaritans are good with that. And there's actually a list on my blog site of all the, the numbers of the helplines and all the places where people can get help from. So you can access that on contact lists on my blog which is www.beyondtheshade.com. Hmm. Beyond the Shade. How did you come up with that name? Because it, it really suits the blog. It, it, was, it was basically me being a Black African woman, you know, and I realised that it's hidden, isn't it? So it's beyond the shade, beyond colour, beyond race, beyond creed, beyond gender. It's beyond everything. But we, we have to address it, even though it's hidden beyond the shade. That's amazing. Yeah. That is truly amazing. And um, I, I'm like a fan. I always read your, your blogs, you know, and you have a certain writing style, you know, that to me like just hooked on. It's like I'm waiting for the next one, you know. That writing, what inspires you to write so well? It's personal experience um i know there's this is an article i wrote um about saying no you know yes, yes. yeah like I'm, I'm not sorry and i'm saying no yeah but that was me saying i've given so much and i have you know in every aspect you know i i don't know if my family are going to see this <laughs> I'd, I'd be glad if they do you know, but I basically helped my mom put my siblings through school, you know, and help with their rents, help everything. They're grown ups now. And, but they still kept reaching out to me to a point where if I had money, it wasn't mine. It was for their problems because if I spend it, what if my brother needs this? Or what if my sister needs that? But I never, ever thought about myself like, how about I buy myself a handbag? How about I buy myself new sheets? I never thought of things like that. I thought of other people's needs. And they always came. But the day I kind of learned to say no, or I don't have, which didn't come easily to me because even after I said I don't have, I'm still questioning myself, shall I call him and say, oh, I'll try and get it for you? Or what can I do to help, you know? Now I know how to say, uh, I don't have. And I don't lose sleep over it. You don't feel I, guilty for yeah, it. Because, yeah. because I have identified that and I've come to terms with it that I have to look after myself first. I have to look after myself first. Yes, because when I hit rock bottom, there was only just me. I had nothing to give to anyone. So no one came to me because I had nothing to give to them. And it was just me. So I was like, you have to love yourself first. You have to take care of yourself first. And if you've got reserves, whether it's emotional or physical, then you can share. But if you're giving out and not leaving anything to yourself, then you will suffer. You will suffer. That's, uh, that's truly amazing because, you know, especially again, this is to the black community because we feel so responsible. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's like, it's an obligation. You something that you have to do. You can't run away from it. You need to take care of your parents. You need to take care of your siblings. You know, it's just, you need to do it. Like you have to not need yeah. it's like yeah. it's a requirement that is how i think we are brought up that's what all we know 
yeah. you know, you work so that you can pay back, kind of like it's like paying back to your parents, which is not the case. But that is how we are brought up that you feel that responsibility. So it will take time until maybe you go through stuff. Or oh, I don't know how people get over that. You know, you, you matter. Unfortunately, um, as a person born in Africa and still have African parents, it's like you owe your parents, you know, the fact that you breathe, you owe your parents, you know, when you went to school, you owe your parents. You came to the UK, you went to university, even if you worked night and day to pay your fees, you still owe your parents, you know, and that debt never gets repaid. If there was a point where it's like, okay, now I've done this, you know, I can now take a break and not look after my parents. But from the minute you're born, you owe your parents, which is very different from you. I mean, you have a son, you know, what you want is for him to go to uni and get a job and you have your nest to yourself and not worry about him, you know, paying his rent and doing things like that. And who knows, you're probably putting aside a nest egg to help him with his deposit for his house. But I still have, you know, I have a 25 year old child, but I still have to look after my mother. That's true. And, yeah. You know, it's ne it never, it never goes, it no. never, um, it, it's never an issue that will say, okay, I've done that, you know, like that's completed, like I've built my house or I've paid off my mortgage, it's done. Mm -hmm. Our parents will always be there. And it's not a bad thing. We know that, you know, it's our responsibility to look after, you know, but um, it comes to a point where at times, like you're saying, when you don't have, that is what now starts affecting you because you know you have this responsibility and you do not have the resources at the time then you, you know, like it's just running through your head that, oh, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do that, and I do not have, what do I do? I don't even know if some people end up stealing. It's like, um, no, isn't part of the vocabulary. You, you feel guilty for not having, but you don't have, you've paid your rent, you pay for your car, you've bought your food and you haven't got anything left. So you end up borrowing money because if I don't give them the money, they're not gonna be happy. But at what cost is it to you? Mm. Going forward, your credit and everything else, you know? But we have to learn the art of saying no. If no is too hard, I can't do it. I can't afford it. You know, it, at first it's not easy, but eventually they, they come to terms with the fact that it's not gonna come, she doesn't have it. But if we keep giving, because we keep giving things we don't have, playing club groups so that, oh, this month I'm going to play 500 because in three months I'm going to get 6,000, then I'm gonna send it home and then they're going to do this and that. As long as we feed into it, they're constantly going to take. That's absolutely true. So you see, those struggles as well can be triggers, you know, when you struggle with that. So it's important, I think, for us to know the art of taking care of self. Mm -hmm. You know, when you concentrate on you, then you'll be able to give. When you are good, yes. yeah, when you're in a good place, when your mental health is healthy, you know, you can now do a lot of things, you know, like yes. even things that you can never, never, never imagine that you're capable of doing. But as long as you're putting yourself through all this, uh, you know, responsibilities and thinking you have to do A, B and C before doing A, which is you, you know, taking care of you. And as well, your network matters, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you need to have that, um, circle where you feel comfortable sharing your stories and be with people that understand you people that are not going to think oh why you've been weak or oh here she goes again you know those things because that kills your spirit as well if you if you know or you feel that response because you know at times people don't have to say it 
but their response tells you in words, like you can hear the words just from the reaction. You'll hear their words. Um, this brings me to, there's an article I did write again on my blog and it's the topic was, are the friends you keep making you sick? Mm. You know, um, the company we keep can also make us feel unwell. You know, the constant giving and not getting anything back in return or just having toxic friends. There are people who are in your life who really shouldn't be. But some people collect friends because they want to be popular. You know, they want to be that person who talks to everybody, you know, and stuff like that. And then you end up being with people who are toxic or passive aggressive, who when they've gone, you feel really drained mm. because, oh, Jackie's like this. And when we go up with her, she wants us to do this, you know, or she wants us to go where she doesn't listen to us. Or this one said, let's do this and change the last minute. When, when you have people like that in your life, then your life is confused as well, you know? But when you learn to draw the line to say, I, I talk to these people, like, hello, hi, whatever. I don't bring them into my space yeah. because your space is very sacred. You know, energies are very sacred. And that's one of the things you have to kind of identify, especially which I did in recovery, I had to choose who I wanted to share things with or who I could even allow to come to my place. Some people will come and then they'll make me feel worse. They're like, oh, you say you're depressed. I'm depressed too. But what, what do you want me to do then if you're behaving like that? You know? So if you're depressed too, when I'm sharing my mental health with you, how am I supposed to feel? It's not like we've sat there and you've said, oh, I hear you, Zah. Um, I'm going to share my story with you because I've been in the same position. It mm. becomes like a competition to say, hey, so you're depressed. I'm depressed too. So why should you be special? I'm not asking to be special. You've come into my space and asked why I'm like this and that. And I've explained to you, I do not want to do this. It makes me uncomfortable because of ABC. So the company we keep can actually make us feel more ill because you're exerting a lot of energy trying to fob somebody off or make excuses or just be in the presence of those people that just don't make you feel good about yourself that's absolutely true and i think at times you have uh, the people that keep coming to you as well they will never listen to your story but they want you to listen to them mm -hmm. So, and they never have a good story to tell. And because it's your friend, it affects you, you know, like when they're telling you they're going through things, but you are not allowed to share your story. The moment you open your mouth, it's like, oh, I was good. I was going to call you as well. You know, this is, this. and you're thinking, I called you, I pour my heart out to you. <laughs> No, it's like you called me, but I'm calling you to talk to you. I've picked up my phone to share this with you. Mm -hmm. And all I'm getting is your story. You know, um, especially when someone shares their story with mental health, especially if someone came to me because I've struggled with it, the very easiest thing to do is to say, I know how you feel. Oh, yeah, because I've been there. But you know what? That person just needs you to listen to them. Mm. Let them pour their heart out. Then if you've got advice to give, you can give it to them first. And then say, Do you know what? I really can relate. Because do you remember at such and such a time? That's exactly what I was going through. But when you start to make it about you, say, oh, really? You know me? I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do whatever. This person is trying. They, they, they're pouring out their heart to you. They're they just want you to listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's just for you to listen Absolutely. while they say, you know, while they tell you that. You know, but then and that forces a lot of people to hide what they're feeling. Because someone, and it's like sometimes you tell somebody something like, what are you thinking of? 
you know because I, I sometimes I wake up and then I check my mail or whatever and then someone sees me what's up and say why are you up what are you thinking of what's on you your mind to be thinking about what's on something? your mind it's like <laughs> nothing what's on your mind yeah but you said you're depressed what are you thinking of if I knew then I'll fix it you know it's not about thinking sometimes it is an, a chemical imbalance and that's why it's therapy it's medication that people need you can't say to someone with bipolar or schizophrenia what are you thinking of who said they're thinking you know but people always attribute it to that what are you thinking of stop thinking too much <laughs> yes yes don't stop thinking too much you have to relax what is it <laughs> Oh, people, everyone is suffering, especially during the pandemic. It's been like, yeah. well, everybody's having a hard time. Okay. Yeah, stop but thinking too much everybody. Get over it. Oh, get over it. <laughs> everyone you know? is suffering. Yes, everyone is suffering. They yeah. lost their job. Yeah. You know, people are not going to work. Everybody's going through it. So just get on with it. Yeah, so it's that that makes people hide how they feel and then it's like i don't know your struggles right but if you if you go on my social media and you see my pictures when i've gone out and kind of make the effort that's good days right obviously and on my whatsapp what i post sometimes and then you get people say oh really but you don't look depressed but what does a depressed person look like what does a depressed person look like? Should I be wearing all black or be skinny and scrawny, you know, or dirty clothes and stuff like that? Like, you don't look depressed. Or people are like, oh my God, you've gained weight. What's going on with you? Like, I've done something really wrong. Like, no, um, it's the meds because I can't sleep. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, why are you taking medication? That will make you even more crazy. Who said I'm crazy? Why is depression you, linked with craziness? You also have the medical team, right? The ones who tell you that all. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be on medication, right? You shouldn't be on medication. Of course, it's it's not for black people, it's for white people. You can't yeah. be taking that. The medication is gonna do A, B, and D to yeah. you. I, I stopped mine cold turkey. I stopped mine. I just stopped taking them. I'm fine. I'm like, I need mine. I don't want to stop them cold turkey. It doesn't make me a better person. No. That I'm still taking them when you've gone cold turkey. So, yeah, the company that you keep mm -hmm. is very, very important. You know? And um, another thing, like, churches need to really work with people who are struggling with mental health because it's not something you can pray away. You cannot pray away mental health. Where there is health, there is mental health. You know, people have got other illnesses. Let's not just talk about depression. There's people with asthma, diabetes, HIV, you know, all the chronic illnesses. And with that, you know, cancers and whatever, it will always come with mental health because someone is thinking of their life long term. You know, will I make it? Will I this? So a lot of people are anxious. A lot of people get depressed because they know that their life is not going to kind of get there. Yeah. So it's unfair to say to someone, you have to pray, read your Bible, pray, trust in God that person keeps on struggling you know and it doesn't go away they start to blame god for it like okay i've been praying i've been praying and fasting and saying all the right things you know so and it's not going away it's true because that was what i was going to mention because a lot of things uh, we have to look at the church you know what is the church doing about this but mm -hmm. you know like it's even worse to mention it, you know, within the church community that you're depressed. It's like you don't pray. You know, it's like a, a sign that shows that you're not prayerful because you have this problem. Mm -hmm. And 
medication and praying, people need to understand that you need the help. You know, therapy and medication doesn't make you a non-believer. If you need medication, you need to take. You know, if you've been given a prescription, a diagnosis, it doesn't make you a non-Christian or a non-believer. Because when we start saying pray, 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 you're talking to a Christian, somebody who does pray. So what are you telling them to do? Like, so does it mean I haven't been praying? Is that why I'm depressed now? Do you get my point? Like, yeah, you start to feel even more inadequate, you know, like you're not believing enough. You're not doing enough for the church, you know? And then, so you're constantly running around trying to make God happy as they kind of put it, you know? But if your problems are not finishing, it comes back to you haven't been faithful enough. And that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And there's a few pastors of, you know, when you read online and stuff like that, especially in America, who've committed suicide. And when it comes down to it, they were actually depressed but they didn't feel like they had a right to be depressed because they were leaders. So instead of talking to somebody about it or even like, oh, I don't want my congregation to know I'm having therapy, they top themselves. That's hard. Yeah, it's a tough situation, you know, because it's, it's the stigma, isn't it? Mm -hmm. it it's, it's just, uh, it then controls you. And um, I think, people need to understand that when we are doing those things, you know, going out of the way in such a way, we are not mm -hmm. pleasing God, but pleasing man, because you're worried about what people will say. True. So it boils down also to your personal relationship with God, because if you know that what you do is to please God, you should understand that whatever it is that you're going through, you can still lean on God, not people, because people will disappoint you. Like mm -hmm. people will disappoint you. They will give you the answers you are not looking for, the reactions that will make you worse. True. Um, also, going back to um, the Black African communities, um, I don't know if you noticed it um, when you were younger but people hid it if they had a child with special needs. Yes, They yes. didn't share, like if their child had Down syndrome and they had learning difficulties, they were hidden from the community mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you couldn't show people you had a child like that, you know? Sure. And even when they went to special schools, the special schools were private school. You didn't get support. So if you could afford to, then they would go to a special school. Otherwise, they were hidden or taken to the village, you know, and things like that, mm -hmm. where it's different here because people with special needs are enabled to live like, you know, the rest of the people. That's why, like, we've got support work and things like that. But back home, they hide it. They so when someone has, yeah, when someone has a severe mental illness, say they're bipolar or schizophrenic, you know, and all that. They say they are crazy. You know, there's one place, I mean, I only know one place in my town where I lived, where people were put if they were crazy. And then a lot of that will be attributed to witchcraft. Oh, yes. So the child had Down syndrome because you dabbled in witchcraft, you know. So that's why people, even if they didn't do witchcraft, they hit their kids because they'll be killed. Same as they would be killing the albinos because... They, they shouldn't be there, mm. you know, that's a product of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. So even, even when, when someone is poorly or depressed at home, they go, they don't go to the doctor, they go to the witch doctor. Yes. And then they're told that your ancestors are not happy because you've done this, you've done that. Absolutely. That's why you're feeling constantly tired. That's why you dream of this. That's why you dream of that. And then they'll be milking you and bring cows, bring this, bring that, you know. And mm -hmm. you're busy paying them and for them to even distort your mind even more, yes. you know. Because at the end of the day, you will have nothing left to give. And they'll keep telling you that, ah, you didn't give your ancestors enough. 
Yes, and even at times, you know, because they will say something that may be obvious. They will tell you, oh, your, your mother or your father is not happy with you. Yeah. You know, or your mother's done this or your, yeah. And then you start to be like, why would my mom do that? Why would my dad do that? And then you will react in the way that you just want to pay this person more and more. And it's just draining you. In the end, you don't have the money, then you're more depressed. Yeah. And also, um, when people are depressed, like at home, people don't have jobs. Mm-hmm. no one's hiring anybody people are stuck at home so when someone gets depressed it's put down to poverty like yeah absolutely you know if i said oh i want to help you know people struggling with their mental health back home the one thing people say to me how do you do that because people haven't got jobs people are hungry you know they're not depressed they're poor mm-hmm. you know but if, some, if there were jobs, yes, people will go and work and whatever, but it's always now just put down to uh, poverty. And like, if there were jobs, people were working, they wouldn't be depressed. But they still are depressed, irrespective, you know? Yes, it's like here, people have their jobs and yeah. they, they take medication and go to work. You know, they, 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 they suffer from depression. They go to work, so they've got jobs, you know, they, they suffered from the uh, mental illness yeah. when they were in a job. They're not broke. So it, it doesn't choose whether you've got money or not, whether you've got a job or not. But you see, um, that's what leads to a lot of that um, substance abuse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, people are homeless. You know, they, they just want to get high in the street. They're sharing needles. You know, and they, they and they're doing all that, you know, because it's just trying to forget. It just opens up a whole can of worms. Yeah, it does, and it doesn't help that Donna funds end up getting abused, isn't it? Mm. Because we could say, "Oh, we'll run a charity. You're gonna send this much back home. Where's it gonna go?" And now people don't want to give because of the history of what's happened with the finances before. It's true, but I really like standing or like um, with your courage, you know, your courage to just open up and want to tell your story. You know, I think you are anointed to do that. You know, at times we do not see these things, but for you to allow yourself to be used in that way, because in our community, it's obviously something we do not tolerate should i say no it's It's not tolerated it's not something that's tolerated and Mm. i've sometimes i've written stuff and then not posted it because i'm like who's gonna read this or like there's little whispers in your head like some people have said why is she blogging about mental health she wants people to know that she's crazy like i'm not crazy (laughs) i'm just letting people know there is help out there because I got it, you know, I wasn't embarrassed to take antidepressants, you know, I wasn't embarrassed to have talking therapies or to sit down with the doctor and have a checkup to how are you feeling now, you know, because if I hadn't done that, I don't think I'd be here today. Like I was in a really dark place, you know, and I'm not going to lie and say every day is perfect, but my life is better. I do things, I get involved in stuff, I start projects and I finish them. But before I just start things and not do anything and I wouldn't have sat down today and done the podcast with you because I'd have been anxious for days and then I'd have shut down today. But it shows that with the right kind of support, you know, and the right networks and everything else, you can get better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to finish. Someone did ask me, so when are you going to stop being ill? Really? <laughs> so when's it going to end? Like, when oh. are you going to stop being ill? Like, you know? And then I... <laughs> this is crazy. 
that's a whole kind of crazy. So I was like, I, I don't have a timeline and I don't want to have a timeline. I know that this yeah. is something that I probably will live with. And I know that now I have more better days than bad days. But because of my mental health struggles, I have to be extra careful with what I do. Sometimes mm-hmm. even what I eat, you know, I, I love sugar. I love cake. I love anything sweet. You know, I bake, but I don't anymore because I can bake and eat all the old cupcakes, 24 of them in a weekend because I love sugar. But when I've done that or had a large bag of M&Ms, I feel really sick the next day, like I'm hungover and I'm tired everywhere, you know? So you have to identify your triggers, whether it's food or people, even sounds, you know, certain sounds or the way somebody talks to you when you answer the phone. That can trigger you because some people are just bullies. And you answer their phone and like, okay. I don't want to be talking to you anymore. Mm. So all that, you got to be careful about that. But I don't think it comes overnight. It's a case of learning from your experience and other people's experiences as well. Absolutely. So it's like knowing your, 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 your circle, the people mm-hmm. that give you joy, the people that put you down, and you know, staying away from situations that do not do you any good, mm-hmm. and people that do not do you any good. So everyone's experience is different, because some people are lucky; they just have a supportive, you know, circle around them. True. So they wouldn't go through what you have gone through personally, because maybe even like their their, their circle, most of them have gone through it, and they'll they're able to support they know how to listen because the thing is you have to be able to listen Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. is one thing I want you to touch on before we end the podcast like how to help someone with mental health and you've touched on the big one listening Mm -hmm. you know you you have to be patient when you talk to some when someone is talking to you about their mental health let them talk let them share what they have don't compare you know your story with theirs ask them how you can help mm-hmm. you know get leaflets you know if you know mental health leaflets and share it with them or ask them if they want to go with you to an appointment you know, or if they need help around the house or a lift, even arranging childcare, you know, or picking up their shopping could help. And, and just let them know that there's someone there if they need you. But mm-hmm. most importantly, we can talk to each other about it. But when there really is a problem, talking to your GP could help. Yes. And the one thing as a person who would be listening to someone telling them about their mental health is don't push them, don't force them. You know, don't try and be like really hard on, tell me what's going on, you know. And when you go to their house, maybe to see them or whatever, they'll be like, oh, why don't you put red curtains? You know, why don't you, why do you shop at Waitrose? What kind of answer do you want from somebody when you ask them that? You know, are you telling them there's something wrong? Why do you shop at Aldi? You know, so already that person is thinking there's something wrong with that. Unsolicited advice is never good. It's never good. Because that person is not going to be able to open up to you. Listen. 
let them pour out their heart mm-hmm. and just yeah. be there. Be yeah. a hand shoulder over, for them. Hand, hand over the tissues, give them a hug, mm. you know. And be like, me also. Me also. Yeah. <laughs> you have to listen to understand, you know, listen to understand and not just be ready to give that advice. You have to let them pour out their heart and let them know they are listening. Uh-huh. Not like say, oh, yes, I had that. You know, just be the one, do, 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 you know, like yes. just going for it. Just uh-huh. calm down and listen. Another good one would be to keep a journal, like a diary. You know, like if you do it kind of regularly, you can always go back, you know, to see what your days have been like you know how many good days you've had how many bad days you left and and know what your triggers are because if you don't write it down you're not going to know you know if you've got mm. if you've had six good days and one bad day you know so if you kind of jot down like oh had a nice time went to gym did this did that you know keeping active you know getting some fresh air it's good. I'm, I'm guilty sometimes for staying in the house for four or five days. And then <laughs> I suddenly have panic attacks when I have to go and get milk, <laughs> you know, so I'm guilty of that, but you've got to keep active. You've got to keep active. And um, with the COVID and all that, people are stuck at home, they're shopping online, they're eating and doing whatever, you know, and, oh, no one's going to see me. But what, when you don't have money anymore and you're not saving and stuff like that, it takes a toll on your mental health as well because it you've does. overspent, you haven't got money or you, you put on weights and you're afraid of people seeing you. So that will prompt you to stay in the house some more and you don't want to do that. You know, sleep is very important. You know, having a good night's sleep because if you're sleeping at 5 a.m. in the morning, what time are you going to get up? Because you have to sleep for eight hours. So you're going to wake up in the afternoon the next day and you feel like you've lost your productivity and the biggest one me and my friends is binge watching series when you binge watch something when you binge watch series from season one to season 12 of 20 episodes of something that's like 12 years of telly you've watched in three weeks and when that finishes you kind of feel like you can't move on it's like a bad bad breakup because you have been living in that bubble you've just been watching that morning noon night morning noon night just you live there you you, you're a character with those people so when that ends and you're no longer part of that that leaves you empty and if you're already suffering you know with a mental problem that accelerates it because you're going to get more depressed. You don't get to see, you know, <laughs> Meredith or Maxime <laughs> <laughs> or Jethro on NCIS. You don't get to see him anymore. You know, you're just there. There's nothing for you to see. You, you try and scroll. You've been scrolling for two hours and you can't watch anything else. And you're lying on the bed like you've lost something. Sure, you do that. <laughs> tried and tested <laughs> you're wearing the t-shirt for it <laughs> tried and tested it's worse than a bad breakup that it, it doesn't worse. work no. <laughs> so it's like forming relationships with different things in your life you know yeah. that you don't have control over you know non-existent even you know I get it. But then, you know, especially when people are at home, they use that as a buffer, isn't it? Something to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Well, it's been lovely to have you here. Once again, thank you very much. Um, and uh, to everyone listening out there, you heard from the lady herself, Meadow Health Blogger Zandi. So her blog is uh, beyondtheshade.com. So just go and have a read. You may learn a lot of things from there. Actually, I shouldn't say may, you will grab a lot of golden nuggets. So if you are suffering from mental health or want to learn more, you want to be the support for that person, that family member or friend, just head over to her website and read and uh, 
you feed your mind with a lot of good things there. So thank you, Zandi, for being here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Lady Fatima. Good. All the best, all the best. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So this is the end of episode one. Goodbye, everybody. And thank you for listening. This is Lady Fatima and you're listening to the LFG podcast.